What's up, crew? Welcome to A Daily Grind, a podcast series where I sit down with small business owners and entrepreneurs and really just drink, brew, and talk shop. In today's episode, I sit down with Ray Hensley, owner of Icarus Athletics, which at the time of recording this podcast, he had not yet launched, so we were talking a lot about product research and getting ready to launch the business, as well as some background on him and why he started making custom weightlifting belts. Uh, Basically, it's like most small business owners or entrepreneurs who find a passion in something and just go head on into starting that business. Icarus Athletics is now launched and ready to make those custom belts without the custom prices. So brew up some coffee, grab a beer, kick back, enjoy this podcast. I think you just gave us the intro to every single daily <laughs> What's up, crew? Welcome to A Daily Grind. My name is John Connie, aka Big Man Syndrome, owner of Big Man Media, and we're here to drink some coffee and talk shop. So I'm here with Ray Hensley, owner of Icarus Athletics. Uh, actually, I don't even know what to call it. I probably should have asked you. It's like... Protective apparel, fitness equipment, weightlifting, and stuff like that. You know, I would just call it uh, weightlifting equipment. I mean, what you use to help protect your body through the stresses that you put on it from whatever physical sport you're participating in. There you go. Couldn't have said it better myself, clearly. (laughs) If you like that sort of thing, make sure to hit that sub button. Join the crew, the business crew. Biz crew, I might be calling it. The biz crew. Biz crew. Biz crew. And uh, of course, all relevant links will be down in the description. But the way I like to start this off, or the way I want to start this off, is to just ask you a little bit about yourself, explain who you are, where you come from a little bit, and then jump into why or how you got started in this business. Okay. Well, um, as you mentioned, my name is Ray Hensley, the owner of Icarus Athletics. I I'm a paramedic by trade, so I started you know, doing that for years, realized that paramedics and firefighters, they use protective equipment every day in the line of duty, right? I didn't want to have to pay that top dollar to somebody else. I spent years as a carpenter, so I had skills working with my hands. I decided you know, I was going to make my own protective equipment. So I started doing that just as a hobby, and next thing you know, all my coworkers are asking me for it. Uh, different departments are asking me for it. So I started kind of branching out and started just as a little side gig, but eventually it took you know, over all of my time. Because um, I realized that you know, this equipment firefighters and paramedics are using every day, you know, they have to trust their safety to it. It is their personal protective equipment, or PPE as we'd call it. Um, you know, they're running into burning buildings. They need to know that the gear that they have on them isn't going to fail them. And at the same time, you know, being trapped behind that uniform, you can't really express yourself too much. So I wanted to give them an option to have that like true customization to it. They can do whatever they want to it. They can make it there. So it's not just the same piece that one guy's wearing that another guy's wearing. It's the same axe belt, the same, you know, radio strap, but it's completely custom. So I started doing that for a while and then I realized I could take that same level of, you know, quality and durability and dependability and create a product that weightlifters and other athletes could use in and out of competition with that same ability to fully customize everything, right? 
not having the same belt that you buy off of a shelf from, you know, company X that just hands out a, a bland, you know, brown belt to everybody. Mm -hmm. But being able to say, you know, I want, you know, a red suede in there. I want, you know, green stitching on there, whatever it may be. You want to have something engraved on there. You want your team's logo engraved on there. I mean, you can do all of that without breaking the bank, yeah. right? Hmm. Interesting. So actually, let's, let's go back even further. Why did you uh, get into being a paramedic? Is that, that's what you said, right? Paramedic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what led you into that profession? That, uh, well, I was, uh, as I mentioned, a carpenter for a long time. And then right around that 2008, 2009 marker, you know, the economy in our area kind of took a big dump and people were not repairing houses. They weren't doing additions. They weren't doing remodels. And honestly, business kind of dried up. And I was sitting there, you know, one business that I worked for, they went under. I just started with another one, but things weren't looking good for it. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I got to find something else that I can do, right? There has to be something more stable out there. A um, good friend of mine was in the fire service. He suggested that. So I kind of started along that route, uh, you know, became an EMT, got a job, went to paramedic school, became a paramedic. You know, I've been working as a medic now for years. Um, and it was through that that I kind of found this, you know, need for custom equipment. And from there, you know, I'm trying to bring that into the fitness industry, into the, you know, realm of athletes in and out of competition. Cool. So it was, it was more of a, a need basis that sort of led you into uh, being a paramedic. Was there any deeper reason for that? Or it was just kind of finding what you could do with, like your talents or, or stuff like that? Um, well, you know, I started as an EMT because that's kind of the, the entry-level position, yeah. right? And from there, it really opens all the doors, right? You can see all the different avenues you can go town. Um, I actually didn't go directly from EMT to the fire service, which is what a lot of people aim to do. I realized that I really did like the medicine because I like being hands-on with things, and I like, you know, working in tight crews, you know, going out, running those calls. And I just love that, that mental aspect of the medicine, you know, assessing a patient, seeing what's going on with them, seeing how you need to intervene to get a good outcome of it. So I ended up going to medic school instead, which didn't limit me from going into the fire service or any of the other branches, but that was just kind of more the direction I wanted to take at the time. Cool. And it's paramedic, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like every time I hear, say paramedic, I just immediately think of ambulance and not fire. But you can be a paramedic and You can be a paramedic and a firefighter. You can be a paramedic and just a paramedic. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh, to every firefighter in the country is either a first responder, uh, EMT, or yeah. a paramedic. Um, one of those three. Not every first responder, EMT, or paramedic is necessarily a firefighter. Mm -hmm. But Gotcha. So I do not... first responder is always just the closest available... Yeah, I mean, there's technically a, a first responder training level. I mean, really... Any anyone who responds to an initial scene is technically a first responder, police, fire, EMS, even you know PG and E, East Bay Mud, you know our water district. Anyone who responds to an emergent scene before the larger infrastructure repair is technically a first responder. Um, but you know within that, there's different categories. Not everybody fits into the same one. So like I said, you could be a paramedic, not be a firefighter. You could be a firefighter, not be a paramedic, or you could be a paramedic firefighter. Cool. So it, it was kind of interesting that you started with uh, being a paramedic, making custom gear. Like, I mean, just 
to be completely honest, I didn't even realize that that was a thing, obviously, because I don't live in that world. But, you know, paramedics having custom gear uh, is a, a pretty cool thing to, to learn. So what, what made you go from creating um, protective gear for the paramedic side to going into the weightlifting world? Well, I mean, those were my two biggest passions in life, right? I mean, here are the two things that take up 90% of my waking hours. It just seemed logical to try and join the two together somehow, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm spending all of my working hours working, you know, either as a medic or, you know, creating custom gears, like especially towards the later end when that was my full-time job was making custom equipment for firefighters and paramedics. That's all of my working hours. And then, you know, a majority of my non-working yet waking hours I'm spending in the weight room, you know, moving weights with other athletes. I mean, it just seemed to make sense to combine those two passions into one greater passion, if you would. That's cool. Uh, when did you make that sort of transition or decide on that? Because you haven't technically launched the company, right? No. We're You're still building it out. Mm -hmm. um, and that's actually one of the topics that I really wanted to dive into is like all this pre-launch mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Um, so when did you make that decision that, because uh, how long were you doing the custom paramedic uh, gear? Probably full time. I was doing that for two and a half, three years. Wow. When I realized that, you know, why not branch out early, early on, I had a weightlifting belt in that mix because, you know, yeah, especially not? at you the firehouses, yeah, especially at the firehouses, a lot of them have gyms within the firehouse to keep guys in shape and active. Um, so it kind of went hand in hand. But then when I realized the the need for you know more custom equipment more custom options and how that could be a whole nother sector and how it's not just leather weightlifting belts but it's everything else that goes into it your protective knee wraps your protective wrist wraps you know your lifting straps i mean there's all these other items that you need to help protect your joints i mean athletes can put some serious damage yeah. on their joints you know yeah. and you know everything else that goes into you know protecting athletes and trying to keep them functioning at a high level for as long as possible right because yeah. anybody can get to a high level but maintaining that is you know where we're trying to come in and really keep people going for extended periods of time not just you know high spikes and high lows in their careers we don't want anyone to you know make it big and then get an injury and be out for the rest of their lives right yeah. I want people working out late into their years you know mm -hmm. even if it's not at that same level they're performing at I want to know that people's bodies are maintaining all the way throughout their lifetimes gotcha so when did you make that switch then from the paramedic gear to weightlifting like uh, what year um, that was 2017 I think early 2017 I really decided that this is going to be the next big push Cool. And that's obvious. were you always into weightlifting? Like, because uh, you work out at SPS gym now, um, was that always something that you did, and you just sort of decided finally to do the gear as a business, or were you doing? When did you join SPS? I joined SPS in January of 2017. Okay, so, so at the same time you decided mm -hmm. to. Bring, so were you, were you doing weightlifting beforehand? I lifted weights lifted beforehand. Weights. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been in, you know, fitness for a long time, right? Um, yeah. Going on 
know, 11, 12 years now. I started training actually in Krav Maga. So, you know, I was fighting in the ring for a while. Um, from that introduced me to the lifting weights, you know, just to get stronger, be more athletic. Yeah. Uh, found a true passion for that. But, you know, I was basically just bouncing between, you know, box gyms here, box gyms there. Got to a, a decent level in that, but kind of felt like I was not plateauing, but almost growing bored in a sense. Like I wanted something that was more satisfying, something that challenged me more, that was more technical than just lifting weights. And that's yeah. where I found Olympic weightlifting. I found SPS and fell in love. Yeah, no, it's a it's a fun sport. Do you still do Krav Maga on the side though? I don't. With, Mainly just because of time. Yeah. Um, you, you spread yourself I, so thin with exactly. To do There's you do too many things. Was the jack of all trades, master of none. You know, so um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still very close with uh, my former instructors. Um, they're located in Berkeley. You know, KMX Quick Plug. Check them out. Um, great folks over there. You know, I try and drop in every now and then just to say hi. But I mean, like you said, just spreading yourself too thin. You're not going to really achieve anything good yeah yeah um cool so you made the transition sort of the same time that you started diving into it uh at that point so you said you did the paramedic gear for two to three years mm -hmm. um obviously that makes it a little bit easier to transition uh, like what's the crossover is there a ton of crossover from paramedic gear to weightlifting gear or did you have to completely reshape what you were making? Because are you no longer facilitating the paramedic gear? I still do. Yeah, still I still do. Um, you know, I'm trying not to let that go just because that is my roots. You know, yeah. I'm still a paramedic. I still work, you know, in EMS. And I don't want to just give that up. Uh, so I'm doing everything I can to maintain that. Obviously, we're going to need to start expanding at some point. Mm -hmm. So maybe hiring on some more people to give me a hand with that. Um, there was definitely crossover on certain things mainly the belts themselves and because most of the in fact i should say all of the paramedic and firefighting equipment is leather based mm -hmm. right because leather is heat resistant it's extremely durable it's water resistant mm -hmm. you know it will last for decades i mean guys out there have equipment that they've been rocking for 30 40 years of their careers going in and out of fires getting completely soaked in water i mean the stuff lasts so all of my experience was really around that leather as a material. And within weightlifting, within fitness in general, there's other materials you need to learn how to use. You know, different cottons, different, you know, nylons, just different. Yeah. It's I a mean, different... Knee, knee wraps were probably... Exactly. I mean, yeah, just learning how to work with different materials, how to incorporate different materials together. There was a slight learning curve there, but for the most part, I mean, it. there was definitely crossover. Cool. So, I mean, like, uh, well, I guess where I was leading in with that was because um, a lot of the, the barrier to entry for most businesses is just learning, especially if you have a product, a tangible product, it's it's finding the right materials. You know, I worked with uh, Rock Tape in the product marketing. Well, I was product marketing, but I was with product development mostly. So sourcing tape uh, materials, sourcing neoprene for their knee sleeves, sourcing all these different things. There's just a million different distributors that we're looking at testing different products and it just i remember how long it took to just get one product figured out and i'm tr pretty sure some of the stuff that i was working on they're still trying to figure it out because it's like it's not, especially in the medical field mm -hmm. it needs to be perfect or mm -hmm. else you know you kind of lose out on a big portion of customers um there was i mean there's definitely i've like i said i still haven't 
officially launched the company um we're aiming for early may so we're coming up on that i don't yeah. even know when this podcast is going to air but maybe right <laughs> yeah maybe right around then um i mean it was months of just trying to source materials and the hardest part is I'm aiming for everything to be American made, right? Mm -hmm. I'm right now manufacturing everything right here in the States myself. Um, we're hoping to grow our team, but we're going to keep everything in the States. So finding, you know, materials that are made in the States. And that's I mean, difficult in itself. That is difficult in itself. It's um, expensive, which I'm willing to eat the cost on because, you know, it's not just about making a product and selling a product, but supporting the economy in every end of it, right? I mean, we're not only trying to get a product out there, but we're trying to support the vendors that are creating the materials that we're using, right? All of our leather is tanned right here in the US, right? All of the cotton materials are woven right here in the US, right? We are not getting things being made in, you know, third world countries and shipped over. We're keeping things in house. That's awesome. That's a that's a great business model. You you basically spent the last year then figuring out the products that you wanted to put out there. Um, and we've I've seen everything, and hopefully you're okay with me kind of talking about all the different products that yeah. I've seen. So you have two different uh, straps. You have two different wrist straps. Mm -hmm. One pair of knee wraps mm -hmm. and four different belts. Right. I believe that's right. Are you trying to enter market with all of those right away? Yes. Cool. And you, you feel like you're pretty much close to ready with that, you know, deadline of May. Yeah. Um, I mean, most of our, in fact, I said all of our products are designed. Um, we're always looking to improve on them. So I don't like the term, you know, beta test final yeah. product. Um, cause I think there's always room for improvement on anything that you're doing. In fact, I think if you're not always improving, you are being left behind in the market. So we're always looking for feedback from our customers, from our athletes, what they like about it, what they don't like about it. Right now, we definitely have a base design of everything, but we're always willing to add on to that yeah. Um, but yeah it was months of just you know creating prototypes testing them out see how they worked finding things we didn't like about it, changing it up I mean yeah for the last year or so that's pretty much what it's been yeah and uh, like we were talking about earlier you have that flexibility too which is really cool the fact that it's handmade you're not you're doing as best as you can to make sure that everything is US based and mostly in your shop mm -hmm. you know that you're not sourcing too much outside of your shop which means you can make those changes and mm -hmm. it's, you're not going to make some crazy at this point you've done the beta testing where you figured out what doesn't work mm -hmm. so that the changes you make are going to be small enough to where it's like you know you don't have to put a 2.0 next to exactly the belt. You just you know change up the width you change mm -hmm. up the thickness or like we were talking about um, or uh, one of the lifters was talking about making these longer or the other ones longer mm -hmm. um but yeah so really quick we're going to take a break and uh we'll continue this discussion What's up, crew? First of all, thanks for stopping by and taking a look at this podcast. This was the first one, so hopefully you enjoyed it. It's a great conversation with Ray Hensley from Icarus Athletics, but I wanted to stop really quick and share something that I really enjoy using. As a small business owner, uh, especially first getting started, all the different things that I needed to figure out for my business to run, accounting wasn't something that I was super interested in trying to do on my own. Uh, and luckily, QuickBooks Self-Employed came through with an awesome app that allows me to categorize transactions for proper expense reporting, as well as income. It 
basically has a great dashboard that shows me my revenues and shows me things that are very relevant to my small business. And the best part about it is that you can build invoices within the app, you can put a custom logo on it, send it straight to your client and they can actually pay through that email, through the invoice. Um, this is an amazing asset and couldn't ask for a better tool as a small business owner. So if you're interested in that sort of thing and you want to use QuickBooks Self-Employed, link down below. So, spent a year sort of figuring out you know what you wanted to offer. Um, I'm sure there's more products that you've thought about and are probably tabled at this point because as a you know small business, you don't want to go in too heavy with what you're going to uh, offer. But... Uh, where am I going with that? <laughs> there, are, there are quite a few products um, that are locked up in a very secret vault somewhere. I'm not going to disclose where, but um, there. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. You know, there's so many things that we could provide. And, you know, for our launch, we just had to figure out what was the most important. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's where we sat down on the, the belts lifting straps, wrist wraps, and knee wraps. I mean, the basic joint protection, um, you know, core stability. So that's where we're entering the market with, and then from there, we're gonna try and introduce everything because, yeah, we got a lot of stuff that we're, we're working on. Cool, and I guess the best way to lead into this is just say, I'm super excited about this, only because, <laughs> let's, let's, let's do this. I'm a big guy, as you can see, uh, my current belt is a Velcro belt. It is the Harbinger. I don't know why I'm throwing this funny story in, but as a big guy, I fluctuate my weight. And when I fluctuate up, it does not fit me. It falls off. It le legitimately, like, it'll go on. It'll be tight. Mm -hmm. I'll go down to the bottom of the squat, and as soon as I have my... Well, actually, my core is always tight, obviously, in a squat. But as soon as I hit that bottom and that, like, a little... Mm -hmm. To stand up, rips right off. So, obviously, this isn't going to, like, necessarily fix that. It's just built better um, and it actually fits me <laughs> but what I'm excited about this is the fact that it is a combination of two awesome worlds I've always wanted to try a leather belt but I've always loved the velcro and obviously that those two didn't exist together um, and that's one of the things that Ray is looking to change is to bring this to market which is a leather belt on the inside and you've got that versatility the ease of on and off side of Velcro. So I'm a CrossFitter. Most of you probably know by now. Um, and I've been using the Velcro belt because if I'm going to lift heavy within a workout that is for time, a wad, I'm going to do heavy, let's call it Diane. Diane's not super heavy, but the number of reps makes it feel heavy. 225. I'm going to have my belt tight, ready to go do my deadlifts, and then I can and then go to my handstand push-ups. And the really cool thing about that too is some people have an issue with their core in handstand push-ups. So this wouldn't necessarily be tight as uh, doing a max lift, but it'll be on there to provide that lower mm -hmm. back support to keep your core tight. A lot of people end up doing this hardcore and it just affects their reps. So I'm excited about that. And then the one thing that I really wanted to bring up because you mentioned it, and this may or may not be great, but it is, it's good for the customer. This is such a high quality piece of equipment, like leather belts last forever. Like you said, they will go on for decades. The Velcro usually doesn't, but since it's attached to leather, it will probably increase the lifespan of the Velcro. Mm -hmm. My Velcro belt, I've had to replace twice because like I said, it wasn't just because I was fat. Okay? It was also because that <sighs> section of Velcro was so used from mm -hmm. all the time that it didn't have enough contact area to support that tension anymore. This is gonna have a ton of contact, 
Ooh, that was loud. A ton of context <laughs> area to where it probably will last me a whole lot longer. And see, that's our thing. We're not, you know, trying to hook a customer to then come back and have to buy a new belt every year, right? I want the belt that you buy to last your entire career. I want you to be retiring from your sport and hanging up that belt that you competed in every meet, yeah. right? You know, we're not looking to have you come back and, you know, keep spending money with us. We want you to tell everyone you train with, everyone you compete against, everyone you know how durable the products are, right? We're not trying to get you to be our repeat customer. We're trying to have you spread the word of how strong this material is, right? How well it's made and how long it lasts. You know, like you mentioned the Velcro, um, we've, you know, added an extra long strip on each side. So if you are feeling a little larger or a little smaller, smaller that day. You're not limited to that five inch frame that you'll see on the sizing. Um, that's kind of the ideal range of it, but you can use it, you know, eight inches below that, eight inches above that. If you need to let somebody else use it, right, they may not be exactly your mm -hmm. size. They'll be able to squeeze into it or stretch out into a little bit. And, you know, all of our materials, like our Velcro is industrial grade Velcro. Sure, it costs more, but it's gonna last. It's not gonna wear off, right? What's the point in making a sturdy leather belt with leather that's gonna last 20 years if your Velcro is gonna give out after two years, right? Yeah. It, it was a waste of materials at that point, right? The uh, webbing that we use, right? It's industrial grade sailing webbing, right? They use it on boats. Like everything we use, we try and find the highest quality source of materials to make sure that the overall product lasts the longest. Yeah, you just threw out some uh, very proprietary terms that I might bleep out a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> uh, because I, I do personally want to protect this, you know? I want you to grow with this idea, obviously you can't necessarily, I mean, you probably could patent the hell out of this because it is leather with Velcro. That's an expensive process mm -hmm. though. Um, but we're still working on that, talking yeah. with the patent attorneys. It's tough because the weightlifting belt is an open patent, so anybody yeah. can use it. Hmm. Finding out how different you are to where you can claim to actually be a different product, that's kind of the, the line that has to be drawn. Yeah. And then even within that, you know, Really, anybody can come in and they can, you know, claim name to it, and then you're basically just tied up in. I know a little bit about that. The durability is exciting, but also the fact that I, you know, for like you say, I can get the custom belt without the custom price tag. Mm -hmm. um, this we don't know the price yet, so I'm not going to throw any numbers out there. But you're definitely trying to get in there at the right market, you know, level. Um, but the fact that I was able to give you, it's not even just uh, some custom stuff. It's, it's really fine too. Like you can, oh, you can change this one little element. Uh, here's my belt. It's a black leather, which you can also get brown. You can get burgundy and we're also doing a bunch of dyed colors. Um, oh. so we'll have a whole list of dyed colors available. So there you go. You got the thread on the outside, the suede on the inside, you can choose from a number of colors. And then the thread on the inside as well. The th both the threads have what, how many colors? Um, on the top of your head, do you know? A little over a dozen different colors yeah. now, and we're always looking to add more. It's just finding a color that's also strong because we don't want to be yeah. like, oh, here's a great looking, you know, random color that would look fantastic, yeah. like but it's a really cyan. weak yeah. thread and it ends up tearing on you, right? We're yeah, going yeah. for, you know, really industrial strength threading on yeah, this. Yeah, I, I actually. I think I remember hearing something like that, that some, you know, certain colors can affect the, 
depending on the right depending on the dye yeah. that's used, it can so make uh yeah, and the, the material the that they use to actually make the thread. There's a lot of factors that go into it, so we're looking for just the strongest threads. But yeah, you can choose what color interior thread, what color exterior thread, what color suede you want, what color leather you want. You can have custom engraving added in there. I mean, all of these things you can add in to your belt, and we're not going to nickel and dime you for them. Yeah, that's the cool thing. It's just you know. In a way, you're you're uh, disrupting the market a lot, and that's usually what works best. You know, you go in with a business idea. You don't want to do what other people are doing because if you do that, you you basically just jump in the same you know high speed vehicle or in some cases slow speed vehicle and just like cruising down the highway, and all of a sudden you come by with your idea. Um, so it's awesome that you're you're taking that into account where you want to just, you're, you're changing the game. You're coming in with a product. Like you have the standard products, right? The mm -hmm. powerlifting belt is standard for the most part. Customization available, the etching on the back of that. Mm -hmm. The latch belt has a little bit more customization. You can change the color of that latch. And mm -hmm. I'm sure there's other pieces that you can change there too. Uh, but for the most part, that is a standard latch belt. Um, and then you've got your Oli belt, which again, not much different there, but then you got this bad boy that comes in hard and just like says, hey, what's up? And that's the thing, you know, on, on all of the belts, it takes a certain amount to create a belt, mm -hmm. right? Um, I mean, you need to use a piece of leather, right? That has to be a color of some sort, right? It can't be invisible because there's no invisible leather. I'm not going to nickel and dime you because you want a different color of leather, right? I have to stitch your belt together. I cannot create it if I don't stitch it together, mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to nickel and dime you because you want a black thread or a hot pink thread or a forest green thread over just a standard white thread, right? I have to stitch it regardless. Why am I going to charge you for a different color of thread? Same with the liner, right? I'm putting a liner on there. That's gonna happen, mm -hmm. right? Why am I gonna charge you a different price because you want this fire red versus you know that hunter green or that fuchsia color, yeah. right? It just doesn't make sense to me. Like I'm gonna be engraving a logo on there regardless. While I'm in there, I might as well engrave something that you'd like on there too. So I'm not gonna nickel and dime you for every little aspect of that belt. And I think that's the big problem I see in the companies these days. Um, without mentioning any names, you know, you see a price on their website and you go, oh, that seems really affordable, right? 80 to 120 bucks, I could do that. And then you click your belt and you click your thickness, you're like, okay, it's gonna be 120. And then you're like, oh, well, I wanted suede. Oh, well, I wanted a color stitching. Oh, well, I wanted to have something engraved on it. It's like, oh, you know, I wanted the edges dyed. Like you, you get all these little things that are gonna happen to the belt regardless. Yep. And all of a sudden you're paying 350, $400 for it. I mean, that just seems ridiculous to me. Yeah, and I guess it's the, uh, the industry knowledge that you have changes that thought process because um, I think Rock Tape fell into that uh, situation too where it was like they realized that customizing tape really wasn't as aggressive as some other companies were seeing it as. Um, whereas like for you, I so I understand some companies were like hats. If you're embroidering a hat or no, even better example is shirts. So like this is um, screen, right? Mm -hmm. Screen printed. That is a specific screen. They have to make a new screen every time you have a different logo or sure absolutely um and then that's where sublimation comes into like mm -hmm. you can do pretty much anything with sublimation because it's not a specific screen it's it's printed a different mm -hmm. way so with yours it's etched in versus if you were to brand it you would have to make that brand exactly for every single company exactly. so unless they order hundreds of belts 
it's not going to be worth it to you. Mm. But you've got a special machine that's going to basically uh, 3D print it into there, sort of. So we're, so we're <laughs> laser engraving yeah. everything. Um, so you can send me any kind of image, um, PDF, AI file, you know, stuff like that. Uh, as long as it's a simple, I mean, I shouldn't say simple, as long as it's a basic image, right? It's not yeah. like multicolor image, because in the end, you're only going to get that engraved color in there. Yeah, so. it has to be a one, like my logo is... Uh, a hat that's gray with a brown beard and big man media is uh, etched out of the hat I would need to send you just the line art the basic structure of that logo which I have on my business card, well you can send right? me the, the the colored image as long as you understand that it's all gonna come yeah, out that yeah. one engraved color because exactly. we're we're literally burning a level off of the leather you know and creating a space down there yeah but it could get pretty pretty detailed right? oh get it yeah. i mean yeah. fine-tuned as you can imagine you know yeah. it's truly just the point of a laser of burning this yeah, yeah i mean if you, you get... were branding it it would be absolutely ridiculously difficult mm -hmm. to get very very detailed images even you're, you're making that well, unless you cnc machine that and even metal. as you mentioned uh you know embroidery like in embroidery yeah you can get different colors in there but then you are limited to the size of your thread the size of the stitches right if you have too fine of details those could come out kind of muddy so maybe from a distance it seems good or you know a simpler image will seem good but you know with laser engraving you can get as fine of details as you want in there and it's not a problem for us that's pretty cool how important was it to you, and this could be all the way when you started with the paramedic gear, how important was customization? Like, it sounds like you've probably done more research than a lot of people do when they start a business on customization, uh, because typically customization comes with that price tag. It comes with the higher cost for you, higher cost for the customer. Uh, but you've clearly found a way to go full custom and keep that price tag down. How important was that element? Customization is the heart and soul of it. Um, for me personally and in the business. I mean, from an early age, I knew that I didn't want anything that I could just buy off of a store shelf, right? Especially if I was gonna spend you know, a decent amount of money or invest in something, I didn't want it to be something that I grab and then as I'm walking down the street feeling all good about my new buy, I see some guy standing right there holding the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. I always wanted something that, you know, when I either put it together or was rocking it out in public or whatever, using it however, knew that I was the only one with that. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. They just don't necessarily have the means or the resources to be able to afford, you know, a fully customized whatever it may be, you know? Mm -hmm. So that, yeah. was, that was a huge driving factor for me. Um, and really, it does tie back into the firefighting side of things. Like I said, when you're a first responder, you know, you're behind a uniform, right? You're standing behind a badge all day, and that uniform is the same as your entire crews, right? And all of your coworkers. How you can then still express yourself and not just be a uniform, but be an individual in a uniform, right? That's why we allowed for that full level of customization in all of our products. Yeah, and I mean, just a point from me, I will buy custom over standard every time. Am I wearing my, these are not custom, these are the Stealth Nanos, but I have mm. two pairs of uh, murdered out Nanos. And before that, I'd gotten my first pair of lifting shoes were from Reebok and full custom, 
because I ended up getting a free custom card. I didn't pay for them. So. <laughs> None of that helped make the decision. But uh, I went, <laughs> funny story on the pink. It's not really a funny story. I, I support you know breast cancer awareness. Uh, my wife's mom went through it and is a survivor. And I like, I, I want to show that support however I can you know I don't I'm, I'm a big man I don't need to worry about you know what color I'm wearing so I love to put a little bit of pink in there my lifting shoes had a pink sole mm-hmm. so technically couldn't see it unless they were off but um I appreciate custom big time because it allows me like you said to express myself it allows me to say you know here's a little bit of me you know I enjoy having a splash of pink I love black on red and I can't get this anywhere else you know well, maybe I can, but I'm going to pay way more than I need to to get that. And, you know, like I was saying, the custom price tag sometimes stops people. Uh, but we all love to have that little bit of expression through the products that we buy. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting. And especially for athletes competing, you know, oftentimes you're required to wear a singlet and lifting shoes. You know, there's there's parameters of what you're allowed to step onto a platform in. And... You know, out of the companies out there, some of them make great products, but the options are a little limited, right? I mean, most likely you're going to see somebody else in the same singlet that you're mm-hmm. wearing. Most likely somebody else is going to be wearing the same shoes that you're wearing. So be able to step on that platform, on that stage, in something that is only you, that nobody else at that meet or at that competition or at the Olympics or whatever it is that you are competing in is going to have on, I mean, that's going to help drive you, right? You're going to know, all right, this is my one shot here you know i'm the only one rocking this the only time anyone else is going to see this on this platform is when i walk onto it yeah and that's i love that when i see people in crazy singlets you know not just a standard black or like a virus or a reebok or something just plain jane you got the guys with the eagle in the front the white tigers (laughs) those are so good Mm -hmm. i think we're that's about wrapped up i think we're good we covered a whole lot i'm probably gonna have to edit a ton (laughs) which is gonna be fun because i don't only have this one i have one other one i've done that i haven't even touched um but you know thanks for uh, coming down and and sitting down with me it was a hell of a a setup for those of you out here who don't know because you don't see the behind the scenes much we were at a coffee shop. They uh, shut the door on me, sort of. And then we were in my garage, and it was overexposed and ridiculous. And now we're inside the house. So this is location number three for today. And for something that we were trying to get done by noon, we're finishing <laughs> it up at one. Hey, not too bad. bad. Not, not bad. too bad, in yeah, my opinion. Bad. And we mm-hmm. kind of started at one or mm-hmm. noon. So um, thank you. Thank you for having me. This was yeah. fantastic. I'm hoping to get this up as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is something that I'm going to do with... Uh, Mostly local business owners for now. San Jose is kind of like the footprint expanding to you're from Oakland. Um, and then hopefully as it grows, we will, we'll get any business who's willing to sit down with me and talk about it. And the, the real idea is to get those insights, get that understanding of you know owning a business, starting a business, doing all those things that sort of go into it. Uh, we didn't dive too much into the, the uh, you know running the business side of things, but we talked a lot about your product, mm-hmm. which is super cool. So if you're into that sort of uh, content, make sure you subscribe. Leave a comment down below if you've got any feedback for how this went or questions you think I should ask others uh, when I sit down with you know future business owners. And uh, make sure to hit that like button. That obviously pushes hit the these like videos. button. Yeah, like it a lot. <laughs> that pushes these videos further. And uh, yeah, until the next one. I'll catch you later, crew.
coffee that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> that water. God, this uh, coffee's really watered down. <laughs> this coffee's really watered down, man.